Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Hey there, and welcome back to another edition of our Prince of Peace podcast. I'm sitting here with Pastor Lauren, a.k.a. Spider-Man, <laughs> <laughs> and we are ready to talk a little bit about wrapping up our last series and looking forward to this summer. But, uh, you know, a quick health, date, uh, health update on Pastor Lauren. Will you be shooting webs this week at uh, our worship service? I hope not. You know, if you're wondering, why did he call him pa- a Spider-Man? I got bit by a spider, I believe, and I spent the morning at the urgent care. I actually was, you know, think I got bit by a spider about five days ago. I woke up and I had this huge bump on the back of my head and it's only gotten larger as the days have gone on and I have numbness all down the left side of my neck. So I thought, you know, I better go get it checked out. And the uh, doctor at the urgent care thought, yeah, that looks like a spider bite. So I'm on a couple antibiotics. Hopefully I'll be on the mend soon. Um, but it's, it's affected me in weird ways, actually. Yesterday, I actually found myself dozing off at my desk at the computer. And that rarely happens. I, I got eight hours of sleep the night before, but I, I am feeling a little spidey weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. So, you know, it's actually not a bad uh, intro into, I'm sorry you're feeling bad, and we hope that you're feeling better very soon. hope these antibiotics knock this thing out. Um, But thinking about, you know, just you're talking about how it's affecting you, and, you know, you're a little more down, Mm -hmm. and um, we're wrapping up this series on spring cleaning, and this last week was really this summation of the whole thing, and thinking about the Easter message and how we're called to let go of some of these stories that we allow to take control of our lives at times and instead to embrace this new story, a a resurrection story, a story of hope and promise Mm -hmm. for the future. But when we're feeling down, um, it can be even harder, I think, sometimes to let go of those other stories. And, and, you know, if you've experienced that before where um, it's that, that sometimes it really is even just the physical aspect of it that that makes it so much harder to lean into hope and and promise for the future. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, I I think that um, I think I think a lot of people are feeling that right now. Just we have a theology of hope. We we are love and life win people. We are oriented around the promises of the resurrection. But in the face of such immense tragedy in our world, you know, and we've gone through such a long, um, prolonged season of tragedy from the pandemic and the loss of millions of lives worldwide to that, um, then into a global conflict with Ukraine and Russia and thinking about um, issues of uh, justice and and suffering. And then to this shooting in, in Texas and the one that happened in Buffalo you know, it's easy for people to feel really down um, right now. And then how do we hold on to that resurrection hope when we're feeling like the story of the world is spinning out of control? Mm -hmm. When you think about those stories of the world that, that are competing with the gospel stories. And oftentimes I think we, 
you know, we don't talk about the the devil and evil as much often in our tradition. But I think when I think of the manifestation of evil in our world, to me, that's always part of it. It is these stories that that seek to snuff out the gospel story that that mm-hmm. threaten in our minds to say, no, this story really is more powerful. Um, are there is there a particular mm. narrative of the world when you think about it? That you're like, this is the one that I find hardest to lay aside in order to lean into this story of hope and promise for the world? That's a good question. You know, there, there are probably multiple, if I'm truthful. Um, but one that I think uh, has a particular, has always had a particular grip on me um, that I try to shake off is, is the idea that, um, how do I articulate it? The, the idea that you always sort of have to watch your back, that um, th- this idea that you better be able to take care of yourself because nobody's coming to rescue you. Mm. You know, this self-preservation yeah. um, story. That And I think that's born out of human experience, right? You know, we all go through tragedies big and small, but uh, maybe part of that's informed by my, you know, time in the military overseas and the realities of just seeing what war is like. Um, but, but I think that idea that, that I, I know that that narrative can't be true. It's not life-giving, but the idea that, well, you better... Um, you better preserve yourself and take care of yourself because there isn't, um, there's no safety net out there. And, um, and I think that limits you then, um, when you buy into that narrative, you know, too much, or you listen to that too much, it, it, it limits you from fully trusting, um, that there is goodness in the world, that God will care for you, that, that God is ultimately sovereign, um, and then you start to rely on your own ability to do things and not the ability of community or the ability of you know the help that comes through our faith. Yeah. I think one of the things that has been really transformative for me in that regard was when I went to Africa back 20 years ago now. Um, but experiencing there a different culture that mm-hmm. does not have that same rugged individual at its core that because yeah. that's so much at a core of our American culture, I think we come to assume that that is a simply human narrative that, that it's this rugged individual that you got to watch right. out for yourself mm-hmm. where other cultures emphasize the collective, the mm-hmm. care of each other and see community as this, um, thing that, 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 will stand above the individual and, and that there will always be someone there for you because that is the, you know, the predominant cultural narrative. And it's fascinating to think how we simply have a different cultural narrative and there's good in that, right. To a certain degree in terms of picking yourself up by your bootstraps and working hard and having that individual work ethic. And there's all, all those good things, but the shadow side of that really can be right. so and I, damaging. And I think the, I think the other, that what, what, when you said that, when you say that, I think what else comes to mind is that um, that particular worldview or that storyline that, that I've bought into at times throughout my life also leads me down another path that can be toxic, which is the path of thinking, um, that my needs or showing vulnerability 
or asking for help will be a burden to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes we pursue this idea of rugged individualism or self-preservation because we've so convinced ourselves that if we ask for anything, well, you're a burden and you're putting something on top of somebody else that, um, that they don't want, they don't want to help carry that. And, uh, and so that's something that is really antithetical to what we see all throughout scripture, right. Um, that of what the body of Christ should be, bear one another's burdens, um, walk with one another. Um, when one grieves, we all grieve that, that whole sense of what the gospel story offers is really the antidote, um, to so many of these world stories. And yet, you know, I'm human and I, you know, at times keep falling back into that. Oh yeah. Well, what about you? What, what is a, um, narrative or story of this world that, um, sometimes you get caught up in? Well, I definitely resonate with that last one that you lifted up that, that, (laughs) that, uh, certainly identifies a big part of my sense of self at times. And, and, uh, yeah, clearly that's something I wrestle with too. Um, the other one I was thinking about and, it relates to one of the phrases that we're uh, going to be focusing on and we'll turn to in a couple minutes here. But, um, you know, we talk about love and life win. And too often I I can get sucked down into really questioning what, mm-hmm. questioning that. Do love and life really win? Um, when you see so much death, so much yeah. darkness around you, it's so easy to get drawn into that narrative that, that no, in fact... Uh, Hate is bigger than than love. That that and you know mm-hmm. all we were talking about before. All those signs in this world. Right. You know we really have to to continually engage our faith to trust in a different narrative of that because that one's so easy to to buy into if if you just take the world at face value. Right. And it's easy to get discouraged and think you know man things are just turning more hateful, more spiteful, more violent um, in our world. And you know how are we gonna turn that corner. Is it possible to turn that corner and to continue to trust in that? You know, the only way I know to do that is to stay connected to the community of faith um, right. and to stay connected to that scriptural witness and keep reading those words of promise because otherwise I think I would go down that that dark hole really right. fast. It's easy to go down that dark hole. I think, I think in the face of all of these tragedies and of, you know, pick any one of them or add them all together. It's our vision becomes so focused on that darkness, that pain, that suffering, that it can easily become all we see. And I think one of the other things that helps to reframe it to where we can see that love and life do win is to zoom out, Um, zoom out to a broader lens, a broader perspective, and look, look at the human spirit and the heart of humanity and stories of love that have persisted generation after generation after generation, hundreds or thousands of years, that love and life really do win. Because suffering is something that, that the human race is not, it's not new to us. Um, there, is, there have been a, a horrible events and horrible tragedies that have you know, come upon humanity all throughout time. And yet, people still fall in love. People still get married. People still raise kids and and care for the elderly and visit the sick. And but but it's only when we zoom out that we see that love and life is such a part of being human 
um, that that even all of the immense, you know, the, the toll of immense human suffering, I, I don't think it, ever, it could ever add up to the power of love in our world. Um, but again, it, it, it takes that gospel message and, and maybe, you know, being invited to, to look at the bigger picture to really see that right. um, because it can feel overwhelming. Well, and that's what we want to do this summer in uh, our summer series that we'll be doing really all throughout the summer. Um, and it builds on the work that we've done recently in our long range plan and what we've been talking about um, in terms of where we want to take Prince of Peace into the future. And part of it is looking at that bigger picture and looking at the culture that we have within our community and the culture mm -hmm. that we want to see in the broader community outside of Prince of Peace that as we go out as ambassadors for Christ, what values do we take with us? Right. What what do we want to represent? What do we want to share? What do we want to see evident in the in the work that we do and the things that we prioritize as a community? And so we've identified these three phrases that we're going to be looking at throughout the summer, thinking about this kind of culture, building a culture where... Mm. Um, and uh, which we've got three phrases. We'll share all of them along the way. Is there one of them that as you've been thinking about those mm. three that you're like, this is one that, that I think, you know, we, we really need to hear right now in, in our world. Oh man, gosh. Well, the three phrases that, that we, um, you know, through our long range planning that we've come to are, you know, we want to build a culture where all means all generosity is contagious and love and life win. So of those three, my goodness, it's hard to pick. I mean, we just talked about love and life win, I guess, in a, in a pretty in-depth way and made a case for why that's so important. But Yeah. I mean, gosh, I could make an argument for, for all of them. Right. Um, I, I think today, where I am today, I think all means all um, is something that the church needs to proclaim loudly. Um, we need to intentionally build cultures where all means all. And what do we mean when we say that? All means all. Well, what do you mean? Um, we mean where every human life is extended dignity, value, and worth. Where uh, can we be a truly inclusive community um, who are united in our need for God's grace, our need for, for forgiveness, for love, for mercy, so that all of humanity can flourish. I think so many of the world's problems today are often, um, they're often caused by the immense divisions that we see among people. Right. And why do we have divisions among people? Well, for many different reasons. Um, but part of it, I think, is that we haven't created or lived into a culture where all means all, um, where people are accepted and, and embraced for, for who they are, differences included. Um, and whenever we don't, whenever we create a culture that excludes some or marginalizes others, well then bitterness, division, hatred, fear is sown into the world. And then my goodness, it starts to spin out of control to the point where we've, we've made enemies out of neighbors, right? We've made enemies out of family. We've made enemies out of people who are meant to be our friends, fellow pilgrims, um, you know, walking through this world, I think that all means all um, is something that this congregation is passionate about. But I think we there's there's a lot of ways that we we want to more intentionally build that culture. 
Yeah. Amen. I, I think that for me too, that was certainly the one that, that I was thinking about as well. But like you said, it's, uh, it's fascinating because you can certainly make a case for all. And it was fun. I did an exercise with our confirmation kids as we were mm. wrapping up the, the school year and, and we were looking at these phrases, talking to them about the importance of them and looking at the scripture witness. And so we had a little contest and yeah. I assigned them all one of these and said, you know, as a group now, find some biblical example of, of why this matters, why this is part of yeah. discipleship. Um, but then make a case for why yours is the most important of these values. And it was fun to, to see them wrestle with them and, and, uh, have, have this out. But at the end of the day, we had them then vote based upon the presentations, which one do you think is most yeah. important? And it was almost, there was one that came out above the others, but it was almost, uh, equal, equal uh, yeah. that, that they too, as they were looking at that, thinking about it, recognize the fact that, you know, Hey, all of these matter. This is all a part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to have this balance of, of being an inclusive community, being a hope filled community, being a community that's, that's oriented towards the world out and serving others and being generous with the gifts that God has given us. So yeah. um, they all really do matter. Well, I, I really like that uh, through the through the visioning process here, that um, the vision task force that was assembled here at Prince of Peace didn't just say, "Hey, let's come up with a five-year strategic plan um, with with eight eight goals," you know, um, and these are the things we want to accomplish. Um, all of that is good and necessary. I'm really happy though that where we came out, a big part of this is intentionally looking at what kind of culture are we creating through this gospel community. Um, and as we create intentional culture in the community, well, then from that comes the healing and restoration um, of the world. And, and I think that intentionally creating culture isn't something that we often think about in our daily lives. But if we were to be more intentional, um, thinking about what kind of culture do I have in my home? What is the culture that that my children are being raised in? What is the culture of our local community? What is the culture of our society? And, and we can name so many of those prevailing forces or ideologies or things in our homes or in society, messages that we kind of pick up because we're marinating in them all the time that are not helpful, that do not promote human flourishing. Um, we're living in a culture where, you know, perfectionism is is almost a prerequisite for our young people to feel successful. You've got to get perfect grades. You've got to do things exactly right. Don't mess up once. You'll screw your chances of getting into college. You know, like we're living in a culture that is breeding things that are just not helpful. And so as we look at our own faith community here, how are we going to shape culture? Um, well, we want to shape it around those three things primarily. Yeah, We want to shape culture um, where all means all, where people can be loved, included, accepted, embraced, where generosity is contagious, generosity of spirit, of mind, of resources, um, and where love and life win through the resurrection of Jesus. Where um, do we have a culture of hope, of purpose, of passion instead of a culture that, you know, could bubble up in a church of, uh, you know, um, sin management or, you know, are we pious? Are we, 
Um, are we good? Are we bad? That's not the culture that we're, we're after. Right. So anyway, I'm preaching at this point. I just, <laughs> I'm excited that um, where we're headed as a congregation, at least through this summer and over the next few years, is to think, is to think really intentionally about how are we building culture here? Um, but it's going to take all of us. Um, right. <clears throat> well, the next two weeks, we've got Pentecost and Holy Trinity Sunday, and then we'll launch into this new series. And it uh, really does obviously build on the, the Pentecost spirit of the, that the Holy Spirit comes down mm-hmm. at Pentecost to, to gift us with those gifts of God's faith and, and uh, the ability to, to be Christ's presence in the world through yeah. the power of the Spirit. Um, and that's what launches us into this mission. You know, we wouldn't be on this mission, wouldn't have the audacity to think that that we can represent Jesus if it wasn't for the, the presence of the Spirit guiding us and holding us in that process. So um, as we come into this Pentecost time and, and think about how that, that then sends us out in mission in the world, um, I too am excited to get into this series and to think about how we can deepen that culture here at Prince of Peace so that we can have a greater impact in the world. Yeah. Amen to that. All right. Well, we'll look forward to being back with you in a couple of weeks as we start into this series and we'll have more reflections on this building a culture and where it takes us from here. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.